0: Hey, it's Glenn. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great podcast coming from the Standing Rock Ranch today. Um, we we start with. Well, we start with the news of the day, which I could only make sense of if I was just hammered. Uh, so we have a little bit of drunk news uh, that begins the show that you don't want to miss. Also, Volkswagen says they're for humanity. Uh, they didn't mean to make this mistake in their commercial, which is ridiculous that they're even apologizing. But you won't you won't believe what they said. Now remember, it's Volkswagen, you know the car designed by Hitler, uh, but they're really really super sorry, and they're. <laughs> They're on your side. Um, also, we have uh, uh, we have Nigel uh, Farage. He is the Brexit party leader. He called me yesterday because he was fired from his radio gig for saying something in Great Britain that I said the same day. And he's right about it. We'll talk to him about that. Also, what's happening up in Seattle? CNN and the mainstream media is saying, no, this is, I'm not kidding. These are poetry readings that are happening at the Chaz. Really? Poetry readings? Huh. And we have no evidence that Antifa is involved at all. Well, except for their own tweets, the pictures, etc., etc. We get into that and so much more on today's podcast. You're listening to the Best of the Glenn Beck Programme. Okay, I've, I've found a way to bring you the news to where it makes sense. And if this news doesn't make sense, you haven't had enough to drink. We start with Audrey Gelman. She's the co-founder and the CEO of The Wing, a growing community of women across the country and, and the globe. But apparently she has sent in her resignation after a group of employees staged a digital walkout due to the lack of impl- impl- inflammation uh, of their uh, policies promoting feminism and race solidarity. The Wing's uh, brand c- director, uh, Alex Covington, claimed that Audrey Gelman's resignation is just not enough. The Wing just doesn't... Practice the intersectional feminism that it preaches. Apparently, the wing's leaders have disproportionately failed and continue to fail people of color in the wing. The walkout uh, with the employees brought a private list of demands. They say they are frustrated and saddened by the incompetence and lack of accountability demonstrated time and time again by the wing leadership. I'm quoting the public perception of the wing is at an all time low. I, I've never even heard of the wing, so I don't know how you have poor perception when I don't think anybody knows what the hell the wing even, but I will apologize for that tomorrow. Uh college now is uh, said is the it's the uh it's the Berkeley College of Music and uh they have now apologized to all of the students on campus. They said let us assure you this should not have happened and going forward it'll not happen again. And if this doesn't make sense to you you need to start drinking earlier. Uh, he came out and said the Boston police, of course, have jurisdiction over the roads and other public spaces around our campus, but not inside of our business. And we are deeply sorry for the impact that this has had on our community and for per- 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 for ke- keeping the feelings of oppression going and silence and marginalization. And they will make a more concerted effort to consider the effects of their actions. Apparently, the students were very upset because uh, the college allowed the police during riots to uh, go pee-pee in one of their bathrooms. Oh, the oppression just continues. Gone with the wind is gone. Good. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's out because of its oppressive nature. In unrelated news, the the second biggest streaming movie on Netflix currently is uh, Gone Gone with the Wind. It's those racist white people. And by the way, Lady and the uh, Lady and the Bellum changed their name. Just the Lady A. They like to apologize for the antebellum thing, which I don't think anybody knows what antebellum even means anyway. But I'm glad they did it, and maybe a couple more days of groveling, and we'll all forget it. Now, the L.A. Times, uh, the editor there says the word looting has a racist connotation. And they've talked to all their black reporters, and they said, yes, you're right, it does. So they're not going to use the word looting anymore, and they're considering getting rid of the word riot as well. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, over at uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, a woman in St. Louis, Kennedy Misham, said I was talking to my friends about race, and I realized... You don't, uh, don't even have a real clear definition of what racism is. And she went to the dictionary and she didn't like it. So she called Miriam up and said, Miriam. And Miriam said, uh, hello. And she said, Miriam, I don't like what's in your dictionary. And I want that changed. And Miriam said, Okay. Do I have to do I have to apologize if we change it? And the lady in St. Louis said, no, just change it. And so Merriam-Webster is changing her dictionary, which is wonderful news. Uh, Axios has just given its reporters a green light. If you're reporting on one of the stories for Axios and you feel like you just have to join in and maybe get yourself some of those nice sneakers, go ahead ...and join the riots. In other news... ...the old Glenn Beck... ...that I apologize for... ...like crazy... ...I've been thinking about it a lot... ...and there's so much to apologize... ...the old Glenn Beck would have said... ...if you're a reporter... ...and you're working for The Blaze... ...and you're covering it... ...I don't care if it's Black Lives Matter... Or, you know, lab rats matter. Or, you know, white people matter. You join the protest, you're fired. (laughs) I apologize in advance for the actions I would have said before I found the truth. Cops has been canceled? Good, get them out. Now we gotta get rid of Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, there's a lot of people complaining about Paw Control, P- Patrol because the head dog is a policeman. And an, is anybody in Nickelodeon donating for bail money for people who are definitely not writhing? Because it's an idea. May I say something, and I mean this. I do not want to bring a child into a world where Paw Patrol is available to stream. Now, some people might think that that was a uh, comedic line, but actually I'm quoting a reporter uh, from the New York Times. ABC News parent company Disney's giving $5 million to social justice groups. And so they don't have to apologize later, they've decided that they're going to change Splash Mountain because uh, there's some of this zippity-doo-dah that people don't like. And so uh, they're taking away all of the zippity-doo-dah stuff. And uh, maybe changing that whole ride into Princess and the Frog, which I think is wonderful. They could even keep the song "Zippity Zippity Do da Zippity A." White people suck eh, every day. And finally, in the news that totally makes sense now that I'm looking at it from. uh, through a darkly lit glass, a glass dark... I don't... I'm looking through the alcohol, and it makes sense. Bill Zablas... Bill... Bill Dil Dill... Dill the mayor of New York City, has decided to, to paint and rename streets in honor of the heroes of Black Lives Matter. He says they're going to do it in all five boroughs, and I think he should. I think this is a really good idea. The only the only problem is, uh, I, I I I think I know less about the heroes of, of Black Lives Matter than I do about that that feminist place called the Wing. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. So we don't want to use the word riot uh, or looting because we have found out from the L.A. Times today that journalists should never use those words because they uh, connotate racism. I thought they just connotated stealing stuff and breaking in. Um, But uh, no, that's (laughs) that's my white privilege. Now, we have... um, we have a store owner from New York. Uh he's um he's from Oscar's Golden Diamonds. His name is uh Oscar Isergieri Jr. And Oscar is the son of another Oscar and that other Oscar was the one who started the sh- the uh the uh, shop about 35 years ago. Oscar, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi Glenn,
1: thank you for having me on the program.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, Oscar I'm I'm looking at the video of your shop being um uh, I don't want to say looted uh, uh vigorously emptied of its product by early holiday shoppers and uh it's pretty it's pretty nasty to look at can you tell me what happened
1: yeah so uh I guess these uh early holiday shoppers uh they came in mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: <laughs> You know, over overnight, uh, it basically the, the Bronx was—I uh, I don't know if I can politically correctly say war zone either, but um, I guess the Bronx was was very different uh, that night, and in a very, in a very, in a very bad way, or at least in a way that uh, one only sees in movies.
0: Oscar, you know, Oscar, Oscar, stop using yeah. Oscar, stop using your white privilege, please. You mm-hmm. white people make me sick. Well, Glenn, I'm. Oh, wait a minute, majority. you're not. I'm Hispanic. And uh, well, that's until was not. <laughs> until you're targeted, then you became a white person. Yeah. Uh, um, no, okay, I so I don't know if they were. So, so did not care? The
1: of that night is uh, they broke into my store uh, and you mm. know it, it was destroyed. It's completely trashed. I'm over here working with my dad and a couple other buddies, uh, you know, some contractors I know, just trying to get everything back to
0: normal. So how much did they steal?
1: Mm, luckily, I was able to move the inventory to a secured location. And out of the steal, there's about $50,000 worth of damages because I have expensive uh, equipment, you know. I have jeweler equipment, yeah. molds, jeweler desks. I got showcases. Uh, bulletproof glass, plexiglasses. Each sheet is worth like four or five grand. It's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of damage, honestly.
0: How did they? How did they break the bulletproof glass? Or where was the bulletproof glass? Because I know how expensive that is.
1: Yeah, uh, I I saw people uh, coming in with sledgehammers and other you know other tools that you know that with enough time you can get you could break it. You know.
0: Yeah. Right. So did was this? Do you think? Planned out, or was this a spontaneous we're walking by and we're doing this to all the stores, or do you oh, think no. these people this came was, in
1: This was so planned out you know the the people that came were definitely uh not part of the movement, or at least I don't think so because during the entire night because this happened from eight a eight p m to five in the morning, like this wasn't like just one group did it, and that's it it was it, everybody was doing it. It was the worst thing i I've ever seen in my life. Hey,
2: hey, my
0: Oh, that's your dad. And, uh,
1: what, and what's it called? So it's been <laughs> happening. All, it happened all night, and uh, they went through store to store. It was it was totally planned. It was totally planned. These were opportunists taking advantage of a very uh, very serious situation, you know, in the, in, uh, in the nation right now. And um you know, it, it hurts the cause. And uh, I didn't hear not one chant for George Floyd. This was this had nothing to do with George Floyd, in my opinion. Now, and that was there. There was no signs. There was no chanting. This was a complete separate group of people that just took advantage of the situation. That
0: were doing their holiday shopping, Oscar. That, remember, Yeah, they were just doing their holiday shopping. So your dad, is, is he a, are you a first-generation uh, American? Is your yes, dad an immigrant? Okay. Um, and you guys have been doing this for 35 years now. Uh, yes. has your dad seen anything like this ever before? And what what's your dad's reaction as, no, I, as I a, asked
1: him, you know, Dad, does this happen in the Bronx every five years or something? Ten years? And he said, No, this is the worst he's ever seen. It. And, and he's he, he's from you know, seventies and eighties when when you know, there was a war going on every day. Things kid. were bad. Yeah. Yeah. The good old days yeah. weren't as golden according to my dad, and um he's never seen anything like it. You know, the police did not have control of the situation. They were they were told to be lenient because they didn't want to actually hurt any protesters. But there weren't none. I didn't see any protesting. All I saw was holiday shoppers being extremely aggressive.
0: <laughs> Oscar, I just love you, brother. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, I'm sorry that this happened to you, but thanks for having the guts to, uh, to speak out and... Uh, and not and not sit down and just take it. I appreciate it. Do you, is your insurance no, covering it? Because this is what they're saying now that that insurance. You know, you guys have insurance, so what do you care? Yeah.
1: You know, it's uh, you know my store is is my livelihood. You know, my my siblings were sent to college. Um, you know, off the store, we were able to have a house and nice cars with the store. So the store is very much my home as well as my normal home. I spend more than half of my life here in this store since I was eight years old, buzzing the door open Mm. for customers. So this is very much my home as well. And I think only maybe another store owner or somebody who has a business can understand that. So just because insurance will cover it, you know, how, how would you like if someone attacked something that you felt was home? It's traumatic. It's not, oh, the insurance will cover it. Well, I guess. But, you know, witnessing that for eight hours at night, in all in all the chaos it's traumatic man and uh and and to see you, basically what i view as my home be uh be violated i i don't know it's uh i don't think uh you know i call insurance is a good band-aid you know thankfully they, they'll cover is a it? good amount of what happened but i mean you know i'm still gonna be close for like almost a month like why? you know like
0: uh and you were already I, close I, because I of COVID.
1: Knew- and I was already closed because of COVID, you know? As you can tell, it's not going to be a very good quarter for me, but I got to I gotta keep working, you know, for the store that's given me so much.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate you talking to us. Thank you so much, Oscar. Best no, of luck course, to you man. and your Thank dad. you for having me. You bet.
1: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: Nigel Farage, the Brexit Party leader. Uh, a guy who's accomplished an awful lot uh, and um, in, in many people's eyes ha- has done a heroic thing by getting uh, England out of, uh, out of the Euro uh, Union, but uh, now he's jobless because he was on a TV show and he spoke his mind in England. Nigel, welcome to the program. How are you?
2: Thank you very much. I'm okay, but I have to say there's a sort of mass hysteria seems to be gripping mainstream media in both of our countries.
0: Well, ours has been taken over completely by uh, the, the left. I mean, the uber-left. It's not liberal. It's not, it's not even Democrat. It is democratic, socialist, and slash crazy. Um, it is, they are denying things now that we're seeing with our own eyes. So tell me about your situation um, yesterday. You were on a morning, I think you call them wake-up shows, uh, and you, uh, I don't know why you would agree to this, but you you were with uh, Pierce Morgan. Yes. And uh, he played his usual word games to make himself look good and make you look bad. What happened?
2: Well, I went on to, it's a program called Good Morning Britain. Um, it's not the BBC. It's an independent commercial station he does a bit you know quite a big breakfast show there he's done quite well with it um but you know i went on and and the reason i accepted to go on glenn was because i was watching it the previous days and they were all saying that you know the protesters were absolutely justified in what they were doing that black Mm -hmm. lives matter was a really really important movement um and we just had the toppling of the first statue in this country, a statue in Bristol in the west of England, and a mob, an angry mob, tore it down, stamped on it, and then threw it in the sea. And I thought it's about time somebody put up a counter-argument. So I finished up doing it live. It was myself, Piers, Susanna, who works with him, and two other guests. One, a Black Lives Matters activist. The other, a so-called academic, And it finished up in a four-way shouting match, four of them against me. And my argument was this. Whilst we want to have equality of opportunity, we want to live in a society that is free and doesn't have horrible prejudice. The truth is that the three words Black Lives Matters may be innocuous, but the Black Lives Matters organization is an avowedly Marxist anarchistic organization It wants to defund Mm -hmm. the police. It even wants to abolish the police. It wants to overthrow capitalism. Uh, It wants reparations for slavery in centuries gone by and is a recipe for for a really bitter division in society. So I wanted us to recognize who the organizers of these protests were. And everything I quoted to peers and the other panelists, everything I quoted had come directly from the Black Lives Matter's website. All right, these weren't right. my words; they were their words, right. and they were kind of shouting right. at me that I was a liar, that I was out of touch, and then we moved on to the toppling of this statue. Now, the guy whose statue was toppled was part of, back in the 1600s, the slave trade. All right, and let's just remember, you know, every country in those days was involved in it. I'm not condoning it, but that's history; that's the world we lived in. And I said, I thought that if statues should be removed, they should be done by elected city councils, by elected city mayors, with the consent of the people. But that if you allow the mob to do it, and if the mob hysterically tear down screaming statues of people they disapprove of, that that effectively is like the Taliban in Syria destroying ancient historical monuments. And I've been criticised For using the analogy, but I think it's a perfect analogy for what went on, Um, and this led to, you know, peers making ridiculous comments like, you know, would I want a statue of Hitler in London? I mean, really low-grade stuff. But here's the key point. Here's the key point. When YouGov polled nearly five thousand people, and they asked them, did they approve of the way in which the statue in Bristol was removed? Only thirteen percent, one three percent of people thought that was the right way to behave so we've now got our biggest mainstream media programs openly supporting 13 percent of the population against 87 percent of the population and so i don't regret for one minute making those arguments
0: so nigel it's funny that you said this because i I know you called me yesterday to tell me this story and i was looking into it and i thought oh my gosh that's exactly what i said yesterday here in america I said, this reminds me of the Taliban in Afghanistan when they blew up the the uh, statues of Buddha. Those were World Heritage sites, yep. uh, and they just didn't like them, and they wanted them gone because they found them to be blasphemous. And the world yawned, and it was wrong then. Uh, I don't like I don't like statues of uh, Civil War uh, you know heroes like um, William B- 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 Bedford. I-, I I think that's his name. not it is it William Bedford, the guy who started the Klan. Uh, he was a horrible, horrible, awful human being. Yeah, Bedford Forrest. Thank you. Uh, awful human being. I think his statues should be taken down if they are still up in the uh, south i think the uh, schools if any of them remain that were named after him should be changed but not in the middle of the night by an angry mob and that's exactly what you were talking about and you lost your job for it
2: yep you and i think exactly the same way about this if you want to revise you know your civic architecture in your city you do it democratically and peacefully. Uh, and cause, but the problem is, if you try and rewrite history, you find that it has some very unfortunate consequences because where do you end? I mean, if we're taking down statues of people involved with slavery, well, what about statues of politicians who opposed 100 years ago votes for women, for argument's sake? I mean, you know, Where do you end with this? You can't look back and judge history by the standards that we have today. And in 100 years' time, people will look back at us and think we were wrong with some of the things that we believed. Rewriting history, this is the kind of thing that Chairman Mao did. It's the kind of thing, as you and I have both agreed, that the Taliban did. It's the kind of thing that Hitler did when he burnt books that he found to be unacceptable. And that is the direction the mob is taking us in. Uh, They are very heavily funded, you know, and and we know the Soros's, the Steyer's, these sort of people... They're very heavily funded. You've got a media that is now complicit with it. And in my country, you know, mainstream leading politicians who are too scared to say a word against it. Um, And what we're lacking, I think, right across Western society, in our churches, in politics, in media, even in the police, what we're lacking is the moral courage to stand up and say, this is wrong And we won't put up with it. And I think certainly in my country, uh, you know, ordinary Middle England people are now crying out for someone to say enough.
0: So um, can you tell me why they are getting rid of or they're defacing the Churchill? Why is a group like Antifa, if that is who's doing it over there? Why are these anti-fascists defacing the guy who ended fascism
2: (laughs) and Churchill? absolutely right. I mean, if it wasn't for Churchill, it would have been a Nazi Europe that probably would have lasted for about 50 years. So you're absolutely right. Nobody in the world did more to defeat fascism in a very brave fashion than Winston Churchill. But, of course, he was a big British patriot. Uh, He was a huge supporter of the British Empire. Um, and and you know part of this, part of this protest, it began. There was a catalyst with the horrible death of George Floyd. Some of the people protesting genuinely want injustices to be solved. But right so behind this, but right behind this is cultural Marxism. All right, this is an attempt to destroy everything this country has ever stood for, everything this country has ever fought for and to try and indoctrinate a young university educated group of people that they should be ashamed of their nation ashamed of their country that we should remove all symbols of our past we should overthrow the free market and capitalism Uh, and it is frankly this is the most dangerous thing we've seen since churchill was our prime minister
0: well uh nigel it is good to talk to you um i'd love to see i'd love to see your voice on the blaze uh quite honestly that's uh you know my company that isn't just we're, we're not going to fold we are not going to fold and we are putting together a list of of uh i think patriots who are risking it all and uh we'll watch each other's back even if we don't agree with each other on everything we're not supposed to. That's not what a. That's not what an intellectual exchange is all about. Agreeing. So, uh, Nigel, thank you so much. God bless thank you. you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I I I thought I had seen it all until I saw a report from now CNN saying that right wing extremist. Publications like The Blaze or Breitbart, or you know, the Rush Limbaugh program, or or uh, any of any of us that are saying the truth, Laura Logan is under attack. And uh, good luck with Fox watching your back, but um, she's under attack as all of us are that say that Antifa is at all involved with the Seattle movement. That's absolutely not true, according to CNN and others in the mainstream media. Somebody who lives in Seattle, who's been covering this forever, has been following Seattle politics, is Christopher Rufo? He's a contributing editor for the City Journal. He's also a filmmaker and a writer and a policy researcher. He's directed four films for PBS. So he's a respected guy. Um, and Christopher, tell me what you know about the lies of the right-wing media about that just God-loving, peaceful group Antifa in Seattle.
3: Yeah, I mean, Antifa is, has the biggest presence in the country and in Pacific Northwest cities, predominantly Portland, uh, Tacoma, Seattle, and it's just absolutely stunning that the media at CNN would uh, not believe the huge amount of evidence uh, that Antifa is... One of the driving forces behind the protests and you know if anyone wants to check for themselves it's not really hard if you look at the kind of keystone antifa social media accounts they're all talking about organizing in the Chaz, getting armed people into the chas uh, they're celebrating the victory of the Chaz as, a, as an antifa specific victory and then you can see photos of uh kind of black clad black block antifa protesters who were out all week hammering away at the police throwing explosive devices, throwing bricks, throwing rocks, throwing bottles. Um, and they're celebrating this openly. And it's only because uh, they're, the CNN and other media are playing this kind of word game, trying to be cute about it, that they can say, well, Antifa is not an organization. It's an ideology. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, it's really just a smokescreen that's a smoke that they cover. Um, they're trying to have fun uh, attacking their perceived political enemies, uh, and covering up the the very obvious truth that anyone can see uh, with their own eyes.
0: I've never seen anything like this, Christopher. I've I've, n- I've never seen things so clearly. And wonder, I mean, it's it's almost like watching the news now is is like watching The Onion. They're asking you to deny things that you know are true. It's it's almost like they're being sarcastic and saying, "No, this isn't Antiphon. It's completely." Um, peaceful. Well, you see black clad members of Antifa uh, throwing bottles and Molotov cocktails and burning cars. I mean, uh, what is their their thinking? What is their motivation, do you think?
3: I think what it is, is that there is a huge uh, imbalance in the power dynamic between the right and left media. Uh, If someone in the right wing media tweets the wrong person, likes the wrong page, does some kind of minor infraction against the predominant social justice narrative, uh, they'll get hammered, they'll get advertisers canceled, they'll get, people will come after them, they'll show up at their home, uh, you know, kind of to harass them. But the left has shown time after time. And if you look at the kind of Chris Cuomo CNN debacle, if you look at a number of people in very high positions that have said things that are flat out wrong, flat out false, extremely biased, they don't pay any price. And I think what you're seeing now is that they're brazenly disregarding the obvious truth and really smirking because they have the kind of dominant position in the cultural hierarchy. They're not paying a price, so why wouldn't they? It's a good way for them right. to go after their enemies and, uh, and do so with impunity.
0: Do they have any idea that Antifa will kill them just as fast as they'll kill me or you or anybody else?
1: You know,
3: I think they're useful for Antifa now, uh, so that they're, they feel in, in a protected space. But I'll tell you a, a, something that unfolded at the Chaz, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, in Seattle, in the, who actually, the councilwoman who represents the area of Capitol Hill is a woman by the name of Shama Sawant. She's a member of the Socialist Alternative Party, uh, which is a Marxist Leninist political party that advocates for uh, socialist revolution and the overthrow of capitalism. Uh, this is someone who is on the very far left. So she went to the Chass, uh She went within the autonomous zone, and she held a rally, and she was saying, I'm with you. This is a victory for socialism, and I'm going to now uh, propose a city ordinance to defund the police by 50%. And she was actually booed and castigated and chewed out by the protesters because it didn't go far enough. And then the rhetoric from the protesters was that she was she's a a woman of Indian descent, that she was being essentially racist by minimizing black and brown women and their voice and kind of appropriating it. So if they can turn on an elected official who is a Marxist-Leninist that wants to cut police funding by 50%, uh, you you can be absolutely sure uh, that they'll turn on almost anyone uh, when the time is right.
0: So what is happening in Seattle? The governor said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. I hadn't heard anything. I mean, are you kidding me? It was like the next day that he, he finally comes out and recognizes that that happened. And then he claims that it's peaceful. The, the Seattle uh, mayor was on television yesterday saying, oh, it's nothing but poetry readings. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be a summer of love. What? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the video of the Seattle mayor basically saying, oh, this
3: this autonomous zone has always been a very autonomous neighborhood. Uh, It's a peaceful expression of protest. It's patriotic. I mean, her tone and her facial expressions, it has the energy of a hostage video, uh, because the, the political reality right now is that the mayor, who is seen as the kind of moderate force in Seattle, has lost really all political power and momentum. So you have now sitting city council members calling for her resignation uh, you have protesters sometimes armed protesters who have seized control of a, of a large part of a neighborhood and she's powerless and my sources within the seattle police department have said uh you know that have knowledge of these deliberations said that the mayor and the police chief really have no long-term plans they're going day by day and they're really just reacting to protesters because they feel like so- politically in the media narrative they have no room to act.
0: The um, police chief, uh, who's an African-American woman, um, she I just saw a very compelling uh, video saying, you know, I asked you to fight and hold that precinct, and then it seems like I sold you out, but it wasn't me. This decision was made elsewhere, and I didn't have a part of this decision. Do you believe that?
3: I, I do. Yeah, I think the police chief is genuine. She, you know, officers that I've talked to uh, admire the chief. Uh, they like the chief, uh, but they recognize that she too is kind of, uh, you know, only really the second uh, second person in command. The mayor all has the ultimate authority, and I think what you've seen in the past few days is that officers uh, are, are are talking to me and even speaking publicly saying. Um, you know, we, we fight for this city, we protect this city, we will take a bullet for this city, but now we have not only the protesters, but the public, and now the, our, our boss, essentially the mayor turning against us, um, morale has never been lower. And a lot of officers that I've talked to are trying to get out, going to smaller cities or in, in the surrounding area, because frankly, it's a very brutal and difficult time to be a police officer uh, and then you 're going to the barricades working twelve hour shifts every night uh, getting getting you know forty five officers out on uh, injuries uh, sustained in the riots and and then they 're getting trashed by the political leaders uh, it's it 's really unfair uh, and very difficult for
0: the police so what is the game plan uh, i mean what is the exit strategy here for uh the the Marxists and the Marxist in city council i mean how how do they see this unfolding, and where does this go
3: well you know the the political path, there's there's really two paths uh, one path i think is uh the mayor is really hoping that the situation resolves itself uh, and that that she can kind of just let this thing fizzle out and then uh, make incremental changes and move forward but the more likely path, I think what's going to happen in the next week is that some of the socialist and Antifa affiliated city council members, and you have to keep in mind, and this is a, a, again, contra CNN, uh, but one of the sitting city council members, uh, is an Antifa affiliate. She actually dressed up her newborn baby in an Antifa onesie and tweeted about she's training a new revolutionary. So.
0: Oh my gosh. These are,
3: these are people who are deeply connected with the antifa movement and they're going to make a run right now i'm hearing they have potentially a majority to cut police funding by 50 percent. and that would mean going from about 1400 officers in seattle down to about 800 um so uh this is a high stakes
0: game what I Think that officer would stay for that what officer would would say oh yeah no i'm going to be there when i'm now in a force that's half the size that it should be. If it shouldn't in that city, it probably should even be larger than And What officer would stay and do that?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. There's a specific answer. Officers that are nearing retirement. All of the officers that I've talked to that are a year, two years, three years away from getting their pension, they're telling me, "Hey, we're we're going to stick it out because we we have we're highly vested. We want to get our our pension." Um, but all of the young officers are going to be gone, so the people that you really need that are young and energetic, optimistic, uh, you know idealistic even uh, the really good officers that are young and can handle those difficult situations they 're going to disappear, so you 're going to have uh, an older, uh, more experienced, uh, but frankly less effective department um, so it's 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 going to be a disaster, but what you 've seen is that these protesters and these uh, city council members and legislators around the country, they don't care about what's effective. They care about instituting their ideology. And for them, unfortunately, chaos is good because it gives them a pretext to seize more power.
0: So I, I was saying yesterday that I look at this and I see Donald Trump saying, you know, going to come in, and that's what would normally happen. Uh, I mean, it would have happened already in, in a reasonable time period um but uh i think he's just been set up and uh, you'll have you'll have national guard troops there and they'll be painted as the big ugly american uh thug coming in and that part of this uh the city would burn down to the ground uh and nobody would care and the press would cover it as the big bad donald trump with his big bad military coming in uh not a restoration of order is there anyone in the city is there are there are the residents for all of this crap
3: you know it's very difficult to tell i think the residents are overwhelmingly for the black lives matter agenda for progressive politics um even for the kind of establishment of an autonomous zone i think so long as it's seen in the mainstream media as something that is a jubilant street fair um but as the kind of narrative gets out as things devolve as as kind of roving street gangs start implementing street justice, um, you're going to see what happened with Occupy Wall Street. As as the Occupy protesters lost control, as there was reports of sexual assault, things kind of crumbled and the public opinion turned. Uh, but I think right now the energy in the city of Seattle is, is behind the protesters, uh, which makes it completely oh, impossible for them to act.
0: I don't know how you do it, Christopher. I don't know how you live there. Um, God bless you. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. Thank you for following this. Uh, and uh, keep your chin up and never apologize for the truth, as I know you won't. Christopher uh, Rufo. You follow him at ChristopherRufo.com.